Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined as always by Andrew Holly. Holly, how we doing, man? Pretty well, TK. How about yourself, man? Doing well. We are about one week removed from the the start of the new NFL year. We are one week from the start of tampering day. And oh boy, do we have a lot to catch up on. So let's just jump right in. Today we are recording on March 18th, Monday night. I uh, just heard the news about Haloti Nada retiring. One of the great defensive players in Ravens history uh, was retiring from the NFL. You know, what do you think about Nada? I mean, I think he was a terrific player, but you know, what are some of the things that you remember about him that made him so special as a Raven? Well, you know, I think there are a couple things when you think about Hello Tanada. I mean, the first the first thing is is really the reason he's a Raven. I mean, if you recall that offseason, Ray Lewis basically demanded a trade mm-hmm. and said, I need some big I need some big hosses in front of me to to help me stop the run and do my job, otherwise get me out of town. And basically the Ravens found Hello Tanada when he dropped and he was the perfect player to put in front of Ray Lewis to both keep him happy and take the Ravens defense to the next level, eventually leading to that Super Bowl championship. I mean, you think about guys that have been so impactful in the interior of that defense over the course of the, the uh, existence of the franchise. Mm-hmm. You look at guys like Sam Adams and Tony Siragusa from that original Super Bowl team. And then you've got to look right back at the formula and putting <clears throat> Alote Nada on that defensive line, and and what a what a wonderful successor he was to that Sam Adams monster in the middle player. I mean, I think I think just in skill set, you know, Sam Adams is the only player to to have played for the Ravens that can even come close to matching what Alote Nada brought to the table. I mean, just from the the highlights of watching him play rugby in college that we would get almost every football game, <laughs> especially when he was having a, a an amazing, you know, stretch yeah. Yeah. of one reason or another, to the Royal Farms commercials, you know, I mean, just fantastic Raven, and he will certainly be in the ring of honor at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... You know, when you talk about those those huge defensive linemen, you know, they always ate up blockers and let Ray do his thing. But like you said, with the all those rugby highlights, I mean, Haloti Nada was an athlete, man. He could run, he could jump, he could, you know, he could bat passes, diving interceptions. That guy could do anything on the football field. I mean, Didn't he play fullback occasionally on, yeah. on offense, I yeah, believe, right? Right, right. I mean, he he could do it all. I mean, what a guy. I mean, and and like you alluded to, he was the right guy at the right spot at the right time to, you know, keep that great Ravens defense together. And, um, you know, he he certainly had a positive impact on Baltimore and all the things that he would do off the field. And I think the, uh, the one thing that I will always remember him for is breaking Ben Roethlisberger's nose. <laughs> yeah. Yes, what a career highlight. I mean, that should be on every single Haloti Nada highlight tape. 
He did that. He had the big hit, I think it was Monday night, against Mark Sanchez and the Jets uh, to force a fumble. The ball popped up like 20 yards into the air. I mean, he had some really, really impactful, really big-time plays uh, for this Ravens defense and obviously Super Bowl champion as well. So congratulations to Haloti Nada on a terrific career. No question. It was always – it was sad to see him go when he got traded to the Lions – you know, anytime you see someone that's ring of honor worthy leave the team because of salary cap reasons or something like that, you know, it's always, uh, you know, you, you wish them well, you kind of go, well, that's the business of the NFL these days, and it's a shame. Um, you know, he's definitely one of those players that would have been wonderful to have him on the team, you know, for his entire career. He was just mm-hmm. that special of a player. So it, uh, it's as as you said. I mean, fantastic career for Nata, and you got to wish him nothing but the best in retirement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and maybe now we'll mention another retirement. Uh, this time from the coaching staff, uh, special teams coordinator and associate head coach Jerry Rossberg retired, and uh, this is kind of a big deal. I mean, he was he was Harbaugh's right hand man. You know, he, he now he's stepping away to spend a little bit more time with his family. He's been in football for like forty something years, so I mean, obviously a lot of knowledge that is a lot of knowledge and experience that is you know leaving the Ravens coaching staff, and uh, you know wish him the best as well. But um, he might be missed going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's been there for the entirety of, you know, John Harbaugh's tenure as Ravens coach. I mean, I think he's played a very big role behind the scenes from, you know, certainly Harbaugh praising him to even I read some some tweets earlier from uh, Tony Jefferson talking about how he would always go every morning to the special teams meeting, even though he wasn't required to be there because Rosberg had this awesome daily message you know, every day that he would he would give in the special teams meetings and certain players like Jefferson had to be there to listen to it. I mean, that's that's fairly impactful, you know, when you've got guys that aren't even in your unit that are coming to your meetings. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things move forward. I mean, we'll see, you know, they were placing him with Chris Horton and or, and then hiring Randy Brown, uh, who's been our kicking consultant for the last few years. I guess he's going to be full-time now with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I'll let you give your your note on Randy Brown. That That's so interesting. But, yeah, Jerry, Jerry Rosberg could definitely be a loss. I mean, I think, you know, certainly with John Harbaugh as the coach, special teams will always be a, you know, a, a major – you know, point of emphasis, I think, for any version of the Ravens coached by John John Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. So you would hope that, you know, we would still stay on top, but I'm sure losing Rossberg will have an impact. Yeah, yeah, for sure it will. And and that thing that I wanted to mention about Coach Randy Brown is apparently he's the mayor of some town in New Jersey, according to the Baltimore Sun, and he would travel back and forth uh, between Jersey and Baltimore for practices and uh, you know now that he's been promoted, he's he's gonna head down to Baltimore full time. But that's a pretty cool gig, being a mayor and a football coach. You know, I I, I think I'd take that life. Uh, it seems pretty fun. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's pretty pretty different. I mean, you think that you know? I I wonder when the last time the uh, 
NFL coaching carousel affected local politics, but uh, <laughs> that's, you know, now uh, now the different pages of uh, the newspaper are going to have to start covering uh, the Ravens. That's kind of funny. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So, um, look, I know the start of free agency last Monday through Wednesday was kind of a nightmare for some Ravens fans. You know, a lot of panic flying around this uh, this fan base as a lot of big names left the purple and black. So, you know, we're going to go through three names each that we feel have a pretty big impact on, on what the Ravens have lost in players going to other teams or, or, or just the impact on the field and the locker room and things like that. So, you know, let me start with your three. I mean, who are you thinking are the biggest, most impactful losses from this Ravens team? So for me, at this point, the biggest losses I have are C.J. Mosley, T-Sizzle himself, Terrell Suggs. I think everybody is still kind of somewhat wide-eyed but for him leaving to go to Arizona. And then last but not least, I, I'm going to choose a Darius Smith. I think I think you, you have Eric Weddle on your list. I think mm-hmm. in the end, he he probably is more impactful from a leadership and scheme you know, just as far as him being that coach on the field, you know, kind of a loss. But for me, especially having not uh, signed a pass rusher as yet, Darius Smith, on top of the loss of T-Sizzle, rounds out my top three. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a minute here to talk about Terrell Suggs. You know, another long-time Raven um, that's been part of this franchise, been part of these vaunted defenses, and has been such a terrific player for this team for, what, 15 years? I mean, another yeah. guy that, unfortunately, we got to talk about losing him, but, you know, what did he mean to you, and what did he mean to this franchise? You know, I, I have to go back and tell a quick story on when we drafted Terrell Sugg. So way back when... I was actually, you know, working as a as a uh, sort of MC for these cheerleader cheerleading and dance competi- competitions. It's weird but true. <laughs> and they had a competition at Bush Gardens down in Norfolk. You know, so mm-hmm. I ended up going uh, going down there to for the event and it was draft day and i was so salty because i love the draft and yeah. you know that was the year that the ravens were gonna get byron Leftwich. they were finally gonna get their quarterback of the future that was gonna lead the ravens to the promised land i was on the byron Leftwich train he was amazing. There was that highlight from Marshall where his offensive linemen are carrying yep. him off the yep. field. Broken I had leg, bought yeah. in, yep. <laughs> fully bought in on Byron Lethwich. I was having dreams about, like, oh, the Ravens have to get this guy, whatever. It was stupid. So anyway, I was extra salty that I'm going to have to you know, work during the event, and I'm not even like going to be near a TV or anything. I was just not... Not having a good day. But at least I had tickets to Bush Gardens, right? Okay. So, you know. Right. That works out. So anyway, my my buddy and I, I had a buddy that came down with me so we could go to the to the park after the event. And we're, we're walking around um, Bush Gardens just after, 
you know, the, the event ended and the draft had kind of had already started at that point. I think it wasn't, wasn't at that point. I don't think the draft started until one o'clock in the afternoon, something like that on that Saturday. That was Mm -hmm. the still when it was a Saturday, you know, opener in the first round versus the whole Friday night thing or what is it? Thursday night now, whatever, whatever they're doing. Yeah. But anyway, back when it was the Saturday marathon, which I personally preferred. But it was just a crazy draft day because then from there, I didn't get to watch live the craziness of that first round where the Ravens are trying to trade up in front of the Jags to try to get Byron Leftwich. And then there was all the jockeying of the Jaguars trying to hold up the phone line and all this stuff. And then the Ravens got passed by what it, who was it was it the Vikings, I think, yeah, I think that so. ended up jumping. So the Ravens weren't in line to make their pick. And their time had expired and all this mess happens and the Ravens end up somehow out of nowhere with Terrell Suggs, who's the like at the time, the I think even still holds the record for the most sacks in NCAA history. And you're kind of like, wait, what? And then there had been all those promos during the during the draft where T Sizzle was like doing the commercials with Ray Lewis. And that was crazy that the, the, the Ravens ended up getting Terrell Suggs because, I mean, everybody thought he was going to be like a top five pick or something, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was crazy. And then on top of it all, the whole quarterback scenario, you know, losing out on Byron Leftwich and then trading back into the first round to get the immortal Kyle Bowler. So we have Terrell Suggs and Kyle Bowler somewhat tied to the hip for the first <laughs> few years of their career, yep. you know, as the, you know, uh, new offense and, and defensive saviors and this, that, and the other. And, you know, you go from there and not only do we have the defensive rookie of the year, he's multiple pro bowler, likely hall of famer, certainly going to be in the Ravens ring of honor. I mean, go on and on from the personality to the, you know, celebrations on the field to the, crazy mask from uh mm-hmm. you know what's gladiator. It called gladiator yeah exactly to the you know the wwf style introductions with the fire and everything yeah i mean he was he's the perfect player to have taken the mantle of leader from ray lewis it's a damn shame that there isn't that player that he could have really passed the torch to that was truly a raven um, you know, I think it's it, it, it. I'm not upset that he left necessarily. I mean, certainly going back to the Cardinals, certainly if he had gone and signed with the Browns or something like that or the Steelers, I might feel differently. But, you know, going back to the Cardinals, I think you have to, you know, applaud him for going home. I think that was always a possibility of him leaving for there at any point if he got the chance um, I, you know, it, it certainly seemingly took the Ravens by surprise. I think, yeah. it, you know, I, I think they assumed he was coming back. They've had a good, um, you know, good run of having stuff like that happen. Guys testing the market and coming back. Ray Lewis did it. Um, there've been other players as well. I, I mean, you can't, you can't say enough about the impact he had on the franchise inside the locker room in the community, just uh, a force of force to be reckoned with in a lot of respects. And uh, as much as I have even 
criticized him over the years for not being the monster that we needed him to be at the time. I mean, there's no question. He, he was an incredibly impactful Raven. And uh, 55 jerseys will continue to be worn in Baltimore for a long time, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, he was just an absolute beast. Um, you know, all those big games against the Steelers, you know Terrell Suggs was going to show up. Um, you know, his ball so hard university introduction. Um, you know, he, he had the two major Achilles injuries. He had bicep problems, pec problems, whatever you, whatever you can think of. I mean, he had those injuries and he played through them and he played well through them. And, uh, you know, he, he impacted the game in, in different ways than Ray Lewis and Ed Reed did. So, I mean, he was, he was along that front four he was the pass rusher while Ray Lewis was roaming the middle and, and Ed Reed was over the top. But, you know, he impacted almost every game. You know, he had, I believe he won a Defensive Player of the Year award. I mean, not enough can be said about uh, uh, Terrell Suggs' play on the field and that leadership that he showed. And we talked about it a little bit. We were kind of wondering... You know, maybe this is a little bit not that big of a deal, but who is that last guy out of the tunnel now when the, when the defense gets announced? You know, it was Ray, and then it transferred right into Suggs. So who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the guy that gives the pregame speech? You know, it was Ray, and then it was Suggs. So just like you said, there's no really, there's not really a person to directly hand the baton off to, and it'll be really interesting to see who takes that mantle on. That, that Terrell Suggs inherited so well. It, it really will. I mean, you know, and of course we'll talk about it more in a little bit. I mean, you, you at this point, you know, at, at, at the time that we, I think, texted about it, you know, he wasn't a Raven yet. So you got to figure, you know, Earl Thomas will, I guess, take that last spot. I mean, he doesn't seem like the same kind of rah-rah guy, you know, that, that – seems to be what you're looking for for that last spot um i mean even when even back in the day when when the ravens would you know introduce the special teams and they had benny thompson he would get all fired up and mm-hmm. you know finish up the special teams out of the tunnel so i mean it's gonna that's been such a big part of ravens games yeah it, it really is gonna be interesting to see who does it and you know, I, I don't know that Tony Jefferson is that guy. I mean, he's he's certainly a a leader of the team, and he's got this social media presence. But is is he the guy that's going to get everybody riled up? You know, before a game, being the last person called out of the tunnel. I, I don't know about that. You know, maybe it's Brandon Williams doing a dance or something. I mean, I could I could see that maybe. But I mean, mm-hmm. is he the is he the leader of the defense? I. I don't think so, you know. So it's it's going to be an interesting interesting transition in a lot of lot of respects. Yeah, like you said, I mean, like it, it may not seem that important, but it's become such a big part of Baltimore football culture. You know, that kind of yeah. last guy out of the tunnel, that guy that gives the speeches and, you know, the credit for that goes to Ray Lewis, but the effectiveness of it really didn't go down that much once once Terrell Suggs was doing it. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, it may not impact the on-the-field product, but some of that game day experience 
might change for the fans a little bit. You know, just something to consider. Maybe we'll see in the in the preseason who that guy's going to be. Yeah, it, I think it's, you know, and maybe they stop doing the, the whole, you know, introduction thing. You know, I mean, that's that's always possible, too. I mean, at, at, it's, you know, there are other teams that don't necessarily do that like we do anymore because we we continued to do it because Ray would put on a show and, mm-hmm. and you know, Suggs continued that theatricality. So, you know, maybe it's just something that goes by the wayside. It would be it would be unfortunate in some respects. But, you know, there's that whole team aspect, you know, that goes into things. So maybe yeah, team, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's all a, a lot of hooey, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, we'll we'll just have to see what happens. I think it's the, the small things that aren't like you said, aren't really important, but are somewhat meaningful, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we continue to move on into other players that we've lost, you know, maybe let's talk about a couple of guys that could have been the next great uh, long-term Ravens defensive players. And let's start with C.J. Mosley. He signed a mega deal with the Jets, you know, probably something that the Ravens couldn't have matched even if they wanted to. So what is that impact that that C.J. has that we're going to be missing next year? Well, I, I think, you know, C.J. Mosley is an interesting case. You know, he four four Pro Bowls in five years, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the first first multi-Pro Bowl player, first-round pick that the Ravens have allowed to leave the building, um, you know, without, you know, just acknowledging, yeah, we're going to let him go. I mean, they certainly tried to sign him. Um, I, I'm conflicted with C.J. Mosley because – Certainly, he will be a loss. I mean, there's there's no question about it. And he's the player that you would have expected to have taken that torch, you know, from Suggs to be that, you know, leader of the Ravens' defense. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily the guy that would have, you know, been raucous and theatrical coming out of the tunnel, but I think he would have been that guy. Mm-hmm. I think on the flip side of that, as you said, there's no way the Ravens would have, and obviously they did match that match that offer from the Jets. I mean, seventeen million dollars a year, which I believe is his average annual value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a middle linebacker is just outrageous. Um, you know, and, and C.J. Mosley is not a transcendent middle linebacker. He's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's had four Pro Bowls in five years. He's not – I mean, look, he's not Ray Lewis. I, I mean, I, I don't want to – I mean, I don't know that anybody is, you know, but he's not Brian Ler- Erlacher. He's, you know, I don't know that everybody's Brian Erlacher, but he's not – I don't see C.J. Mosley going into the Hall of Fame. Now, maybe he goes to the Jets and because it's the New York media and he continues to make Pro Bowls, maybe – Maybe he is that player, but I, I I don't see it. What do you think, TK? Yeah, I mean, from the day that C.J. Mosley got to Baltimore, he was kind of just the steady hand. You know, you knew what yeah. you were going to get from him. He was, he was going to be solid and run defense. He was going to make some plays in the pass, but also give up some completions. Um, so he hardly ever missed any time 
So he was just kind of that steady presence in the middle of that defense that you just always knew what you were going to get out of him. And I think that kind of consistency garnered a lot of respect from his teammates. And I think that's kind of what we'll miss most about Mosley is that he's just rock solid in the middle of the defense. You know, now we're going to have to find a replacement for that. And and there may not be a guy currently on the roster that exactly fills that role the way that Mosley did. So there's going to have to be other adjustments that come into play, and that's going to change the way that other guys play. It's going to change the scheme a little bit, and that's something the Ravens haven't had to do in the five years that Mosley was here. So I think more so than losing a transcendent player or or a Hall of Famer, I think we just lose the steady guy right in the middle. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think that's a great way of putting it. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly a loss. He's certainly an impactful player, so I don't want to try to diminish that in any way. Um, he's definitely a loss. I guess I'm just trying to I'm just trying to you know justify not signing him mm-hmm. in some respects, and I just can't see paying C.J. Mosley as great as you know the steady Eddie kind of production we were getting from him. It just he unfortunately priced himself out of Baltimore. You know, that's just is what it is. Yeah, we've seen plenty of other defenders do that too. And another guy who who did that this year is is Zadarius Smith, the third guy on your list. Another pass rusher. Two years ago he had a ton of quarterback hits but not sacks. And this year he finally converted them into sacks, you know, showed a lot of production. He had a lot of big games for the Ravens, a lot of big plays, and he priced himself out. And I don't think anybody was under the illusion that the Ravens were going to be able to re-sign Zedarius Smith. But again, he's a guy that got after the passer. He was effective in run-stopping, too. So he is going to be an impactful loss, too. Yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think, you know, I added him onto the list. Not because I expected the Ravens to sign him, because I don't think anyone expected him to stay. I think he's on the list more so at this point because Suggs is gone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that, you know, the double whammy of of losing both of those players, especially when I'm I'm I think we can all agree the Ravens were somewhat planning on having Suggs come back, Mm -hmm. you know, having both of those edge rushers you know, off the team leaves a huge hole, especially when you consider, you know, we're at this point we'd have to depend on Bowser and Tim Williams, and that's a scary scenario, quite frankly. They haven't inspired the most confidence, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, Matt Judon, I mean, as good as he is, he's not going to be able to do it alone, so he's going to need no. help from that other side. And, and where is that production that Zedaria Smith – and that attention that he got from from offenses, like where is that going to come from? And maybe that's the impact that Zadarius Smith's departure has. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, this is, you know, I, I think I was reading something on the Athletic earlier today by Jeff Jeff Zerbeck, and he was mentioning, you know, Ty Bowser and Tim Williams and. Mm-hmm. You know, the Ravens aren't just in a situation where they want these guys to compete for a starting job. 
these guys need to compete for a roster spot. Yeah. You know, this isn't, you know, both, both players are questionable as to whether they should even be on the team, let alone anyone that we can, you know, put any kind of expectations on in any kind of even rotation uh, on the outside. So it's, it's, I can't really think of a time to be honest with you, where the depth as an on the edge rusher side of things was as short as it is currently for the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, after Judon, there's nothing there. Yeah, there really isn't. I mean, there, there is completely no one on that other side of the line. So as much as, you know, we can talk about this probably more a little later and maybe later episodes, but you know, I, I think, if the Ravens go defense now in the draft, it's going to have to be an edge rush. If and with the first round pick, me, mm-hmm. um, I think I, I think I'd still lean towards more towards offense personally, whether that be offensive line or wide receiver. But um, definitely something that is going to be greatly considered, especially if you see some somebody start to drop. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the it's one of the most important things in the game now with how much how many passes are being thrown you have to be able to rush the passer i mean that's that's the obvious like commentary thing that that every pregame show says you know every defense has to be able to rush the passer get them off their spot i mean how many times do you hear it so i mean i think i i heard a while ago that the that the draft is for getting a quarterback protecting the quarterback and rushing the quarterback and i think that Protecting the quarterback and rushing the quarterback are going to be very important for the Ravens in this draft. Um, so a couple guys that I wanted to mention on our side, uh, you know, uh, on my side of, of impactful losses, I'm going to start with Eric Weddle. Just the way that he communicated in, in the in the defense, you know, he was the green sticker guy, you know, relaying the defensive calls. Um, you know, maybe not the rangy super effective player that he once was uh but i just think that his leadership and experience and ability to diagnose plays his knowledge of the defensive scheme allowed him to switch things around based on what the offense was doing so i think he's really going to be missed in that but we have a new center fielder who we'll talk about in a little bit so maybe that impact isn't as great as we might have thought at the beginning of free agency um the second guy, I kind of want to mention John Brown. And I know he kind of disappeared once um, Lamar Jackson took over at quarterback. But he had a really good season with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. Um, you know, he was very effective stretching the field. I think he is kind of an underrated underneath route runner. I mean, he could, he showed that he could do a lot of different things. I think that the lack of any experience or, or depth at the wide receiver position now is, is kind of highlighted because John Brown was here and he was cheap. And and that small salary cap impact that he had and the production that he had in those first seven games or first nine games, however long Flacco was the quarterback, was pretty good. He, was, he That was good value for the dollar. So those are my first two guys. I mean, do you have anything to add about them? You know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, as far as Weddle, like you said, I, I think the impact of his loss will be felt by the the aforementioned addition that we made. But I, I think 
you know, the the impact on the Weddle side, I think, will be more felt in the locker room and mm-hmm. and potentially on the field as far as being that guy with the coach on the field. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that Weddle's replacement will be wearing the the headset or, or the earpiece. Apparently, that may end up going to to Peanut. Uh, yeah. If he indeed is the the starting uh, middle linebacker, which it looks like he he likely will be, and Ken Young, I think at this point are probably going to be the the guys in the middle uh, yeah. full time for us. But you know that will that will certainly be an impact. And and you know what, especially if a guy like Peanut is wearing that wearing the earpiece, you know how does that impact things? Whereas you know where is he as far as being able to get get guys to move around to make adjustments and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's certainly going to be an impact. Um, you know, as far as John Brown, I mean, I was a little disappointed that we didn't re-sign him. I mean, I think, you know, I think as we mentioned on the last episode, I think I I, I really want a wide receiver in the first round. But beyond that, you know, you've got – we've already got Willie Sneed on the roster. He's going to stay there. I think he definitely plays a role as far as that – you know, move the chains, wide receiver uh, that's almost like a tight end kind of player mm-hmm. uh, going across the middle, you know, I and, and you need that guy that's a deep threat. And where, you know, certainly once Jackson took over the offense, I mean, there was the obvious uh, limitations that, that we saw as far as the use of John Brown once Lamar Jackson took over, but you know, I think that also has to do with how much the scheme changed, not necessarily John Brown. Mm-hmm. I think if they had had more time to adjust to Lamar's skill set, they would have figured out better ways to use John Brown within that new offensive scheme. So, I mean, unless it was a situation where they were just concerned about his blocking or something like that, because certainly wide receivers blocking is going to be a but you, you have to imagine is going to be a big part of the Ravens offense moving forward. So maybe that had something to do it, do with it as far as his smaller size, but, but he would have, and in, in my mind, you know, continued to be a good Raven and, and, and added that speed on the outside, you know, that the Ravens are going to need, but you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, his value last year on that, you know, low cost one year deal was so huge for the salary cap, so huge for the team. So he, he's where where his loss isn't going to be as felt as as much as the other guys we've mentioned. I think he's he's certainly a loss for sure. Yep, yep, for sure. So, and then the last guy that I want to mention is uh, the special teams coordinator. Jerry Rossberg. I mean, like we said, he was John Harbaugh's right hand man. You know, if you notice a lot of late games when the game was close and there was some kind of decision for Harbaugh to make, Rossberg was right there in his ear discussing with him. You know, they were talking it out, seeing which decision to make. Um, so, I mean, you can't really understate how important Jerry Rossberg was to John Harbaugh. Um, the other thing is that the special teams themselves were so good. I mean, whether it was the coverage, I mean, Sam Cook, you know, does a terrific job, but getting the coverage teams down there was so important. You know, over the years, how many big blocked uh, field goals do we have? The kick six with Will Hill and Brent Urban, you know, those creative mm-hmm. type of field goal block plays. 
Um, you know, look at all the kickers that he churned out. You know, we obviously we have the the Wolf Pack, who's been, you know, nearly spotless for years now, and Justin Tucker, Sam Cooke, and Morgan Cox. But then look at the other kickers that we've put out there, like Stephen Hauschka, Graham Gano. Uh, Will Lutz, and now in the background we have Kare Vedvik, and you know we haven't really had heard much from him. But from what we saw before his uh, unfortunate incident, he was a really good player too. So I mean his his ability to recognize talent and be innovative uh, in the special teams game, uh, and, and and you know I didn't mention the punt returns. I mean Cyrus Jones had. Uh, punt return for a touchdown this year that was really major so I think just losing that experience that he has and you know he was really kind of a disciplinarian kind of guy and and maybe that presence is lost a little bit too as the Ravens roster gets younger it looks like the coaching staff is also getting younger so that might be something to keep an eye on as well yeah it definitely is and I think we're going to quickly learn how much of the special teams was John Harbaugh and how much was Jerry Rosberg because I think you know Jerry Rosberg didn't necessarily get the acclaim he might have been you know due because everyone assumed oh well you know John Harbaugh is the former special teams coach that's his that's his forte blah 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 when when really as you mentioned I mean Rosberg was a big part of you know the not only the coaching staff as an assistant head coach but just as a sounding board to to John Harbaugh late in the game and and you know he was you know by all accounts one of John Harbaugh's best friends just in life so you know having someone like that leave your coaching staff you know is you know for John Harbaugh a major loss let alone you know the players on the field Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so we'll, we'll definitely see but Enough of this talk about losing guys and having guys move on from the Ravens. Now let's move over to the guys that we brought in. And somebody that we referred to earlier as Eric Weddle's replacement is is a potential Hall of Famer, a true center field free safety. The Ravens brought in Earl Thomas, and I am so excited. I'll tell you what I am too, TK. I mean, from the from the moment this guy came into the league, I mean, back when he was drafted by the Seahawks, Earl Thomas was a guy that, um, you know, I know the Ravens were looking at pretty hard, and obviously he got chosen before the the Ravens were going to have a shot at him. But I mean, what a you know they talked about at the time he's he's the next Ed Reed, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you what those those scouts and prognosticators were correct because he's the closest thing to Ed Reed the NFL has seen since the original. And uh, it's exciting to have Earl Thomas on the Ravens. I think both of us, I think many people were shocked, you know, to see mm-hmm. the Ravens, you know, give him um, not only to get Earl Thomas, but give him the contract they gave him, which I think, to be honest with you, his injuries, you know, we'll have to see what happened. Um, but it happens as we move forward. But, uh, you know, by all by all accounts, not many people seem too concerned. You know, certainly you've got the guy who's, you know, potentially a future Hall of Famer back on the defense. You've got that guy that should be able to create turnovers on the back end of the defense. He may not be the play caller, you know, as, as Eric Weddle was, but, you know, he, he may 
he should at least be bringing maybe a little bit more talent than than Eric Weddle has at this point in his career. I mean, it's to to go from the low of losing all the players we were losing, iconic Ravens, to getting someone who can add to the legacy of the great Raven safeties when it whether it started from, you know, when we got Rod Woodson and moved him from corner to safety to Ed Reed to Eric Weddle and now of course to uh Mr. Thomas. Yeah, I mean he's a true center fielder. I mean when when Ed Reed retired, I remember I said that free safety became my favorite position to watch because of Ed Reed and the way that he played center field. Earl Thomas can do a lot of those same things. He can play single high safety and maybe the biggest impact is that if he plays single high, then that allows Tony Jefferson to kind of roam around and play the way that he wants to play, get into, you know, that front seven and and run coverage and play man to man real tight on the tight ends because now all of a sudden he has a Hall of Famer behind him that can help out a little bit, you know, diagnose some of these kind of plays. So, you know, it does a lot for Tony Jefferson. One of the things that you can notice about Earl Thomas is the difference in the Seahawks' defensive performance when he was on the field versus when he wasn't. And, you know, the turnovers and the total yardage allowed and and all of those differences are so drastic. I mean, he made that defense so much better, even with all the good players that they had over there. Earl Thomas was still the X factor. So I think the Ravens still have some pretty good defensive talent on on this roster and adding a guy like Earl Thomas just elevates everybody else around him so I'm so excited for him to get here I think he should be ready to go for OTAs and, and whenever he's required to show up to camp so Earl Thomas welcome to Baltimore he's going to be wearing number 29 wrestled that one away from Marlon Humphrey um so Look, that secondary is looking awful talented with that addition. Yeah, it really is, man. I mean, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Jimmy Smith. I think there's every every chance that he could still get either traded or cut at this point for salary salary cap reasons. I think the Ravens can can save up to about pretty close to ten million dollars. So if they get into uh, into a cap crunch or somebody gets cut, you know, from another team that would really make a difference, you know, for the Ravens. I think I think you're going to see Jimmy Smith still potentially go, but at least at this point, man, I mean, it, that secondary is stacked. When you think that we still go three deep on the outside corners, we just signed Tavon Young to what at the time was the biggest contract for a slot corner Mm -hmm. then you've got tony jefferson and you've got earl thomas i mean you know and and the best thing i think you can say about the earl thomas move in some respects is is that we're finally going to get to see the real tony jefferson yeah you know i think Mm -hmm. because in a lot you know one of the odd odd things about when we signed tony jefferson is that that he was kind of the same skill set as weddle at that point in Weddle's career, you know, so yeah. having that true center fielder now, you know, that not the not the to to continue with the baseball uh, comparison, the the or analogy rather, 
you know, it's not the left fielder playing center field. It's actually going to be the center fielder mm-hmm. playing center field. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can actually use Tony Jefferson as his skill set uh, demands you use him. So I think that's going to be uh, another impact of, of signing Earl Thomas is just that extra, extra, you know, little, little skill set he brings that Eric Weddle just didn't at that point. Yeah, for sure. So another addition that the, the Ravens made actually on the same day was on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Mark Ingram coming to town, probably going to sit atop the, the uh, depth chart at the running back position. What do you think of that acquisition, and what kind of impact can he have on the offense? I, I think he's going to be nothing but a positive addition to the Ravens. It's, it's somewhat somewhat surprising because I think you, you look at Mark Ingram almost like – you know, the kind of player that the Ravens already have on the roster, you know, but, you know, you know, I, I think there's no question he does bring going, coming from New Orleans, you know, he did improve his patch pass catching numbers, you know, as he got into the pros. So, you know, he does add a little bit of that element. I think that the other backs may not have had, but I think the biggest thing he brings to the table, much like Earl Thomas is reliability we mm-hmm. now have someone that we can count on in the backfield, especially when you have a young quarterback. Um, to have that that veteran running back behind him, I think definitely helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, he doesn't really have a high carry number on his. You know, his mileage isn't that much. So even though he's twenty nine, you know, he doesn't have the usual wear and tear of a twenty nine year old running back. Maybe. Um, so I think the other thing that he brings to the table is his ability as a pass blocker. So it really allows him to stay on the field for three downs at a time rather than shuffling in and out based on different skill sets and things like that. So I think, you know, maybe he's not the top tier talented running back that, you know, we would like to see like a Saquon Barkley or whatever whatever the case might be. But I think he becomes like a de facto bell cow kind of guy because he does have the most explosiveness out of him, Gus Edwards, and Kenneth Dixon. He blocks well. Um, and I think just a veteran presence in the backfield with Lamar Jackson is just, like you said, going to be nothing but positive uh, for Lamar's development as well as ripping off some big plays for the Ravens' offense too. I, I agree completely. I mean, I think you know he, he's going to add that steady presence. He's going to add... Um, definitely more of that big playability may not, maybe not like you said, like the Saquon Barkley kind of big playability, but you know, he's still going to have that. And, and you know what, because he's going to likely be used a little bit more than he was in new Orleans, you know, there might be a little bit of extra pop that, you know, we never got to see out of him from new Orleans because he's going to get the ball a little bit more. So, so Mm -hmm. we'll see. I mean, in the end, I think, even if all he is is a, a strong veteran presence within a, you know, running back by committee, I think, you know, it's going to be strong um, as far as an addition for the Ravens regardless. So I think it, it was a good move. And it's not not certainly any kind of monster deal. I mean, certainly I would have preferred the Ravens go this route than spend a ton of money getting Le'Veon Bell and having him – you know, maybe not perform, you know, because let's face it, 
with a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you're basically paying him for all those monster years he had with the Steelers. Yeah, you're not necessarily going to get that for that contract. So I'd prefer in this scenario to assign the guy like Ingram, who isn't going to be that or as impactful, I should say, to the salary cap, but maybe just as impactful on the field with his production. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point about Bell. I mean, you never know if you're going to use him in the same way. So you don't really know exactly what you're paying for. So the other nice signing that the Ravens made on the offensive side of the ball was, was re-signing Nick Boyle, the tight end, uh, pretty much just a sixth offensive lineman out there for the Ravens. I mean, I think it was a good decision to bring him back. Um, what do you think about getting Nick Boyle back and, and having some continuity up front? Yeah, I, I think it was important. I think, you know, once again, there were way too many Ravens fans who overreacted shocker mm. not just to re-signing Nick Boyle which everyone was was all up in arms about you know the first few days of free agency to you know the losses and everybody's freaking out oh DaCosta what are you doing the Ravens are losing everybody well the Ravens lose everybody almost every year mm-hmm. in free agency very rarely you know are the guys that hit the streets uh, for the Ravens, guys that either A, they want to resign or guys that it makes sense for them to resign. So it just, I, it, it blows my mind every year that this same thing happens during free agency where you have all these people getting all upset because certain guys maybe get extensions and they wonder why or why are we letting certain guys leave for these monster contracts that, you know, it's, it's not baseball. You know, there is a salary cap. Um, but, but to boil, uh, I'll get off my soapbox for a minute to boil himself. You know, I think it was a good move. As you said, he's basically another offensive lineman out there. We've got two, you know, pass catching tight ends and, and Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. So, you know, to have that, that veteran presence continue to be there, uh, to help as a blocking tight end. And he's not a terrible receiver. Not mm-hmm. that he's, he's better than either of the other two options as a receiver but he's still solid as a receiver so I mean I think I think that's important you've got to keep the trenches strong and and you've got to keep depth strong so I I think it was a good move yeah absolutely he's good for a couple hurdles per season so he likes to keep things interesting you know speaking of that you know everybody freaking out about guys leaving and and not bringing in or not bringing back the guys maybe not bringing up the biggest names I thought it was very interesting uh, that that all these guys left and the way that Eric DaCosta in the front office responded was to bring in Earl Thomas and, you know, a huge name. So maybe that's kind of a place where Eric DaCosta is going to differ from Ozzie Newsome because he was willing to go out and make that huge splash move as part of the plan. I mean, I think... Everything else kind of went to plan other than Terrell Suggs leaving. You know, Mosley, we knew he was going to get a big contract. Zedaria Smith, we knew he was going to get a big contract. You know, even when the season was going on, we talked about cutting Eric Weddle after the season. So none of those three names really shocked me as departures. The Suggs one did, but... DaCosta was willing to go out and make that huge move, and, and I don't think the Ravens have really ventured out into free agency ever like that, at, at, at least in this magnitude. I mean, the other big deal that I remember is Elvis Dumerville. 
And, you know, that wasn't even to this magnitude. So do you think that's kind of a difference that Eric DaCosta is going to bring to the table? I mean, that's it's hard to say. You know, I, I, I think, you know, I, it's hard for me to say this is completely different than, than a move that Ozzy would make because Ozzy was also never in the position where he was losing a, a – not only the stalwart player like CJ Mosley, but the amount of cap room at the same time that he could then transition to, you know, player X that's another big star to bring him in to replace the guy that's leaving. So I think some in some respects that's a unique situation. I mean, you have to applaud Eric DeCosta for being able to uh and, and the rest of the Ravens front office to to able to flip the script you know so quickly and say okay well we lost Mosley let's switch over to Earl Thomas um you know they must have had some dialogue you would think uh prior to but a lot of the you know discussion since we signed Thomas was that it was somewhat of a last minute surprise entry you know into the sweepstakes and obviously they got things done um it's it's I, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, certainly I hope we're going to see see more moves like this from DeCosta. Not necessarily the the free agent move, but because I think you you quickly get into cap jail that way. But just as far as that bold step, you know, there were years that that maybe we didn't make that bold step with Ozzy because we we trusted our own players to 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 move forward. Well. It's pretty obvious that DaCosta realized we didn't have the players to to carry forward without TJ Mosley, without Terrell Suggs. So it, it, where I don't know if I can say yet that Ozzy never would have made that move, it's at least good that we're seeing DaCosta make those moves. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So I guess, you know, even with all these additions, there all there are still a couple holes to fill. You know, and, and, you know, we're going to talk about the draft in, in another episode. You know, we, we still have just over a month until the draft. So there are a couple more holes that, that the Ravens could fill through free agency. And we talked about outside linebacker before. And the first name that comes to mind for outside linebacker is Justin Houston. Is that a guy that you would want to see uh, in Baltimore? And what do you think he could bring to the table for us? I, I do think Justin Houston at this point is the best fit for, for Baltimore, for not only skill set wise, but the fact that he was cut by the Chiefs, so he won't impact any of the uh, comp pick formulas for next season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think I think everything adds up to him being the perfect choice uh, for the Ravens as far as a pass rusher and free agency. You know, I think uh, we we saw Earl Thomas on Twitter quickly after officially signing start start you know campaigning for justin houston to join him you know tony jefferson's also jumped in mm-hmm. the mix there you know i think um you know it, it's going to be interesting to see where where they go with that i i uh i think though for sure he's the best fit yeah i think it's got to be at the right price i mean He's he's a good player, still very productive. I think it's just got to be at the right price. I don't think there's a point in overpaying for that. Um, 
as we've seen a lot of teams do to players uh, in, in free agency so far, just hand out massive contracts. I don't think we should do that, but if we can get him at the right price and uh, you know, put also put Bowser and Tim Williams in a position to contribute a little bit and get some more experience uh, from him as a veteran, you know, uh, that might be beneficial as well. The other guy I kind of considered uh, for a middle linebacker spot, it, you know, if we want to keep that rotation of young uh, Peanut and Levine uh, at the one linebacker spot is to sign a guy like Jamie Collins or Zach Brown to plug in uh, right away. So maybe that can operate like a Daryl Smith kind of signing while the other linebacker position is still pretty young. Um, so I don't know, you know, just a couple of names that came to mind for me. Um, did you have any others that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I mean, those, those you know, as far as Collins and Brown, I mean, those are certainly guys that that – would be intriguing on on offense. I think one name that actually somewhat intrigues me as a free agent, and and I don't know really what his health status is because I know that he had the Achilles injury, but Antonio Bryant still somewhat intrigues me. If they're you know depending on where he is, obviously as far as that Achilles, and you know just as far as signing guys for that one year sort of make good contract, you know, pillow deal. I think that that would be something that would be interesting, especially considering we did have negotiations with him last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously pending health, like I said, I'm not really sure where he is there, but he'd be, he'd be intriguing, um, you know, for, for a low cost move. But that said, I, I think for the most part, aside from, Guys like Justin Houston, I don't know if I'm really ready to sign anyone else until after the draft at this point. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think we should stay away from a guy like Randall Cobb. Um, I think that he is just devoid of the explosiveness and the speed that he once have that he once had uh, because of these injuries as of late. You know, he doesn't really provide the same punt return and kick return juice that he once did. So I think we should stay away from a guy like him. But I think you're right. I think there's going to be a few guys that get brought in on short-term prove-it deals, uh, just like John Brown, to get some good value out of them. So we'll keep our eyes open on that. I mean, definitely the top free agents so far have been signed, uh, but there will be smaller deals uh, for some good value players still. Uh, that'll be going on. So hopefully the Ravens might be active there uh, as the draft preparation continues. So like we said, we're going to have another episode to preview the draft. Um, You know, we do have a month until then, so the Ravens could make plenty of moves up till that point. I do want to mention a rising force in the division is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they had a pretty exciting move, bringing Odell Beckham Jr. into the fold to go along with Jarvis Landry and David Njoku, Antonio Callaway, and Baker Mayfield, as well as their talented backfield. Are you buying the Cleveland Browns as the favorite to win the division? It, it, it's hard not to to at least buy into the Cleveland Browns as a contender. 
Um, they have made some impressive moves. Um, you know, we'll see if it's something that, that will last, you know, just because they're quickly, you know, using up all that cap room that they've been hoarding for years and years. They're quickly using that up. So, you know, we'll have to hope as Ravens fans that, you know, they, they end up having uh, locker room issues or coaching <laughs> issues or, you know, maybe some, some untimely injuries impact them because they certainly seem like they are building a team to be reckoned with. Uh, the, the, you know, <clears throat> I guess one of the fears as Ravens fans has been, well, at least we have the Browns every year to beat twice. Well, I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to uh, start taking the Browns seriously, both as a as a uh, team and a fan base. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, but as we said, I mean, if there is a secondary that can handle that Browns attack, it is that Ravens secondary with Jim that Smith, true. Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Carr, Tavon Young, Tony Jefferson, and Earl Thomas. That's as good as it's going to get in this league. So, I mean, it really the, is. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, there's, even with Antonio Brown leaving the division, now we got ODB in the division. So, mm-hmm. it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a dogfight once again. It may not be with the Steelers. Maybe it's with the, the Cleveland Browns. But I think I think more likely than not, it's really going to be a three-team race now instead of the two-team race. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, you know, the Ravens will continue to tool up to, uh, you know, defend that division crown that we have now. So whether it's through free agency or the draft, we will continue to add pieces to this, to this roster. Um, one last note. Lamar, slow down, man. Please drive safe. Oh, yes. Well said, sir. Well <laughs> said. You want to sign us off? Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us on Crab Takes and Football. As TK said, we'll be back in a few weeks with our draft preview. I'm sure it'll be a can't-miss episode. So thanks, everybody. Let's go Ravens. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.